When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on throwing gifts away, getting a speeding ticket with friends, a messy mask situation, and guests who offer to bring something to dinner. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about reposting your registry when you're already married. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript where we discuss five tips for a good apology. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And you're not just Dan Post setting today. You're Dan Post setting plus some grandparents. There is a Nana <laughs> and a Nani in the house. And my girls could awesome. not be happier. <laughs> I think that the parents could also not be happier if I'm correct, right? <laughs> I've gotten so that I definitely don't just enjoy these visits, but lean on them. They're They're so, so nice. Totally. Two full extra sets of hands. I've, I mean, I know it in, in my own family. I know how much it helps with the with the youngsters that we have. And I know I know it helps in yours, too. But it's also such a great time and such a classic time of year in Vermont to host house guests. And so I know that it can feel a little different during COVID. And I know you and your family have taken precautions to make this a safe visit. But what what are some of the things that you prepare for right now? I mean, it's fall in Vermont. What do you, like what are you going to try to do to show people a good time? Well, I guess the first thing to acknowledge is how easy it was to get the yes on the <laughs> visit. <laughs> totally. This was 100% Pooja's idea. I have been um, doing a lot of Emily Post work on the weekends and she made this discovery, this transition in her mind where she said to herself, you know, visits to my parents or my parents here doesn't take energy. It gives me energy because I get so much help with the girls and the girls love their grandparents. They love Pooja's parents <laughs> so much. And Aria is on a full on campaign to win her grandfather's affection forever. <laughs> I feel like she doesn't quite realize that already happened in her life. Oh, she's Just so the successful. Day she was born. And like <laughs> the most enchanting baby ever. <laughs> Nana, Nana, Nana. And if he tries to put her down, eh, no, it's. It's phenomenal. A slightly longer version of the story, just to bring everyone up to speed who's listening right now, at about the 
same minute that Lizzie and I were scheduled to sit down and start recording this podcast, the grandparents <laughs> arrived and they were expected. This was an anticipated arrival yeah, yeah, moment. Exactly, exactly. But we knew they were coming. <laughs> in the main floor of the house just above me are for five very excited people who are doing their absolute best to keep the volume <laughs> and the general ruckus to a minimum right now, which I so appreciate. But you have an interesting type of house guesting going on because you you have switched your schedule, so you're working weekends. And that means that you've got visitors while you're working. And that's an interesting place to be for a host and etiquette because you're both trying to carve out this space that you need to occupy and are choosing to occupy and that their being there helps you occupy. But you also have family up who's visiting. You want to be a gracious host. You want to make them feel welcome. You want to be a part of it, you know? So tell me a little bit how you're balancing it from from that kind of good Dan etiquette standpoint. You have no idea what an insightful thought that is. I can't even (laughs) tell you. Do you feel seen, Dan? Do you feel understood? I feel understood. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. (laughs) Alka came through the door. That's Pooja's mother. And almost the first thing she said to me, oh, it's so good to see you. Big hugs. And I really hope that you will come visit us next weekend, she says. Very light touch. (laughs) And that by... You know, us being here and maybe staying through Monday to even add another full workday, that's usually a day where I'm watching the girls, that will free up some time for you so you can come to the bigger family weekend that's planned for next weekend. There was a a keen awareness of exactly the balance that you're talking about and a very fair bargain being struck right off the bat that we're here to help (laughs) – you know, excuse she, yourself, make it easy. And the thing that I would like in return for that is may, maybe that could set us up to spend some family time together next weekend and you could really participate. Uh, so wait, was the announcing that on the show your way of trying to say, so Liz, can I get your buy-in for a switch out of schedules and take next weekend off? <laughs> okay, so there's all kinds of balances being struck here. <laughs> and it's unfolding in real time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is this is how we work. <laughs> and I appreciate it. And I appreciate the flexibility that I get in the professional side of my life and on the personal side of my life. And you would ask that that question about, you know, how do you work that and it balance it as a host. Yeah. It's so much easier when everybody's aware of all of those things that you are balancing and I credit my wife with being a good communicator with talking to her parents very clearly and setting expectations for these visits and for having discussions when I'm not there about why I'm not there that leave me understood and feeling like I'm presented the way I would want to present myself if I were responsible for communicating all that. I love my wife, love my family, love my work. Am I lucky? Is this good? <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. I think I think everyone's drooling right now. No, I do think it's important and I think you hit the nail on the head that communication is the thing that makes that balance happen. You hear us talk about it audience in in our episodes all the time that that speaking up about something, uh, letting everyone know almost like the opening stage of our five steps where you're sort of looking at all the solutions and options. 
it's really good when you've got a group of people coming together to discuss all the all the options or all the things, all the parts and pieces that are on the table, you know, whether or not mom and dad are trying to get out quickly on Monday or whether or not maybe they could linger till Tuesday or, Absolutely. you know, what, what how hard Dan has to be working. Is this a he's going to join us for meals or he's going to be skipping and just joining us at dinner time? Or I think it's it's so important to lay it all out there. And I was I'm very glad that you came up with communication as the key to that answer. I think it's brilliant. And I think it's also really true in your situation. It is how it works. Pooja is a great communicator. She is. And it also helps when you have an ace in the hole, an adorably cute one-year-old who's <laughs> who's working all the levers of power that she has at her disposal as well. <laughs> awesome. Well... Let's uh, let's get to some questions so that we can get you on the way to some family time. How's that sound? Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions, and you can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach us on social media. On Twitter, we're at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question this week is a tough one, and it's about gifts in the garbage. Hey, Lizzie and Dan, your podcast has brought me happiness and normalcy this year. Thank you. I appreciate the nuance you bring to your questions. I'll get right to mine. Is it rude to throw away a gift? 
For context, my husband and I are not religious. Our families know this, but still gift us religious items. They send books referencing their religion and how it's right to our children for birthdays and holidays. We want to present a variety of faiths to our children on our own terms. For now, I've just been stashing these in closets, but it's become frustrating to take up our limited storage space for books we won't ever read. Am I okay to toss these items after a genuine thank you? Is my thank you really even genuine? Is a parenthetical question. It also doesn't seem fair that I have to donate these to Goodwill. No parent needs another errand. So I'm hoping for other advice. I'd love your approval to toss these items. Sincerely, Sarah. P.S. I would ordinarily never throw away a book, but this feels different. Oh, Sarah, I... Well, <laughs> on the one hand, I think you, you you know our show, so you have heard our advice because you've been asking for other advice. But you did kind of suggest the thing that we would suggest, which is to say thank you. And it is that kind of thank you where you, you write. It, how genuine does it feel um, if it feels like disposing of the item is a chore in and of itself? And that's where, you know... We've talked about gifts before, and we've had conversations about unwanted gifts and whether or not to broach that subject with someone or to deal with it by just simply saying thank you and disposing of the item or choosing to move it on in a direction that you feel positive about um, might be the, the soft way to put it. And I think that it sounds to me like you're leaning in the category of I'm fine disposing this item. I wonder if it's time for you to have a conversation with family about about the types of gifts that feel like comfortable gifts to receive. My thought had been to keep the, the versions of these books that allow you to do what you said you wanted to do, which was to present different religions. But if, if these books aren't lining up in that category for how you would choose to present a multitude of religions to your children, then they aren't, you know, the useful books for their development. And just kind of like any book that you would get that you're kind of like, eh, my kid wasn't into it, or we never really decided to read it, then you, you pass it along. Dan, what do you think about the, I want to throw it out rather than donate it. The donating seems like a chore. What do you think about that? Oh, Lizzie Post, you threw me what for me is the hardest part of this question. I'm sorry. <laughs> and that's because I don't have a clear etiquette answer. In my show notes, I said, ah, stuff, Marie Kondo. <laughs> because yeah, <right? laughs> figuring out how to deal with stuff is a, a major issue for a lot of people. And your relationship to those physical things that accrue in your life is something of significance that there are are experts, subject matter experts that talk about that. And to me, it's less of an etiquette question, um, how you feel about how you dispose of stuff. And Pooj and I have these discussions all the time about the recycling bin at our house and how careful we are about being sure that everything that moves through us is either reused or repurposed and to what extent that's a draw on us. The communication around that is an etiquette question, but the decision itself, I think, is based on things that aren't usually the relevant themes for this podcast. <laughs> right. This not that they aren't relevant to our lives, but they're, it's just not always our subject matter. Exactly. And and you're right. The idea of donating so that things aren't wasted is something that we do often suggest. It's a, a middle ground that many people are comfortable with. But if it doesn't work for you, that's that's a choice that I think you get to make. To me, that there are three very clear etiquette areas on this question that all have 
answers I feel more comfortable giving. And the first is the thank you and how genuine the thank you is. And I think that's one that you just have to work on from your own perspective. You have to thank people for the effort, for the thought, for being there for you, for participating in whatever event or occasion that gift was given for, even if you're not thanking for the particular gift itself. And I do think there are genuine places you can operate from and do that well. It can be confusing because that can get tied up with the two other big etiquette issues that you talked about right at the start. And one has to do with parents setting boundaries around their kids and whether it's Disney princesses or exposure to religion or just commercial advertising. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Parents have to make all kinds of decisions about what kinds of exposure their kids get when and the good etiquette there is that you communicate clearly with other people about those boundaries because it helps them. And it could be hard to separate that conversation from the other real clear etiquette issue for me here, which is how we talk about religion and our relationship and orientation to faith with each other, particularly when we don't agree. And it could be hard to separate those things out, but I do think as a parent making choices for your kids that are going to impact other people and their choices, that would be the, the point of access that I would look for to address this in a way that's looking ahead, that's trying to anticipate the situation and find a good resolution. Maybe there are gifts that have a religious tone or theme but that fall into that category that you mentioned where it would be – an acceptable exposure to you as a parent, someone who's wanting to expose your kids to multiple faiths. I can see how that could be difficult because it could very easily get into the, the quality or the nature of the religious information that's being gifted to the kids. And I would be prepared to communicate clearly about that as well. But I would keep trying to recenter that conversation as I was preparing to have it and I was having it on the specific boundaries that you have for your kids. You know, Dan, I have to say, the more I listen to you answer this question, the more I really lean in the direction of, I, I think Sarah's ready for a conversation. It sounds like, almost like no matter how we're dealing with this item, there's some conflict with it. Having to say thank you for it, uh, when you don't really feel thankful for it. And I love your, your our, well, your advice, our classic advice of, you know, really trying to f- find ways to appreciate the gesture and not the item. But it seems like a chore to have to go bring it to donate it. But at the same time, the PS, I would never ordinarily throw away a book, you know, but this is an item I don't want. It's not in the the options that I would like to be exposing my children to for religions of the world. Um, it's not something I want to be receiving and getting it. it those are all things, Sarah, that, that rather than the approval to throw the items out, I think you might, I, I, I don't know if you need it, but I would love to offer the encouragement to have the conversation that that helps stop the items from coming in to begin with. And I don't know if you've already had that and that's why we're in this situation, but that's probably where I would be leaning as I, as I really read through this. I think there's something to that because mm-hmm. what I read in the question is that there's been a previous discussion about religion, but not necessarily mm-hmm. about religious gifts for kids. Mm-hmm. And it might be that it's time to have that discussion as opposed to leaning on the previous discussions 
about religion in general and really mm -hmm. focusing it in this specific area. Sarah, we hope that it can help make gift giving and receiving a happier experience. How do you go about being thoughtful? What do you do? Every time I try, I only make things worse. Is there some particular method of being thoughtful that works every time? This question is titled, Ticketed Together. Dear Emily Post Institute, My friend was on a road trip with her friends and was driving when she got a speeding ticket. My husband's friends say that she and her friend should split the cost of the speeding ticket as they were all on the road trip together. I disagree in this matter, as it was she that was driving and it was her decision-making that got her into this predicament. I would like to know what your views are in this matter. Thank you. Sincerely, Francis. Francis, thank you so much for this question. And I want to tell everybody, Lizzie and I have not discussed this question ahead of time. I'm so <laughs> curious what your answer is going to be, because my instant immediate reaction is, you've got to be kidding me. There's no way you split this speeding ticket. And then I start thinking of the ways and the circumstances where I might. Under which you might. It. But generally so, speaking, no, you're wait, responsible. Wait. You made the choice. You're sitting behind <laughs> the wheel. You are responsible. That is your speeding but Dan, you got to show him your imagination. His show notes say, unless I mean like they were all speeding and egging her on and it was like a thing. It's like you start painting this whole like scenario where, okay, maybe it could have gone down and everyone was in on it. And now they're telling her she should just pay it. But really, they were helping egg the situation on. My my reaction was, is this really an etiquette question? And I think there there is a little a little bit of etiquette, very much so in the vein of who pays. We're all doing something together, and a cost gets incurred on the doing something together. Who should pay for it? I, I can see that perspective, yes. And from that standpoint, it's very much so an etiquette question. But originally, I was like, really? Is this what's coming in right now? But I do think that Francis is right. I, I think that unless... There was some kind of uh, a group um, encouragement uh, of the speeding, uh, you know, whether that was we're late, we're late, you've really got to get us there, yes. you know, or if it was straight up, you know, pedal to the floor, Betty, make it happen. And even then, I think Betty bears some responsibility owning the foot that presses the pedal. <laughs> For but owning I, the foot that presses the pedal. And and that's what the officers would say in handing her the ticket, you know. Um, but I think that I, I, I'm with Dan. I'm very much so in the same same boat as you because I think she speeds, she pays. Whoever's doing the driving is, is the responsible one. Be nice for friends to chip in. I was just offer, thinking, let's give a little chip, like, right? etiquette like, hat And tip. I could hear friends doing that, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And it would be a sweet gesture to offer to chip in, particularly if yeah. you felt some responsibility for that shared cost. Maybe it was a discussion about how late everyone was, or maybe it was just how appreciative you are that you didn't have to drive on this trip. Maybe there had been some discussion about how many drivers to put on the rental car or something like that. Maybe you were the one who was late getting out the front door and feel a little guilty that the driver was a little rushed. Even better example than the ones I was thinking of. But if those things inspired you to offer to help pay, I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I think it's a really sweet gesture. And because it, it would be in no way expected, I could see it being good etiquette. But it's not expected. <laughs> Francis, we hope that that helps. And thanks for giving us a delicious little scene to dish on. So I was getting my first ticket in this city. Didn't impress me much, but this was a different kind of a ticket. Well, I had to go to court, all right. 
But that wasn't you. But this court was held right in the school. And the judge and jury and the whole court were girls and fellows like myself. How about that? I didn't dig it at all. Our next question is about a messy mask situation. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Your sensible advice would be most welcome with a tricky situation I am experiencing with my hairdresser. I've been going to her for nearly 20 years, ever since I moved to Vermont. She is wonderful, personable, and works alone in her salon in her house. I have had two haircuts since our governor gave the okay in June. Hairdressers and barbers were given specific guidelines for operation. My concern is the mask issue. She has said she finds them uncomfortable, so she wears a thin neck gaiter. I can see her features through it. She also talks as she stands over me and shampoos my hair. She has a child who is attending school in person and a boyfriend she sees regularly. Despite COVID-19 numbers being very low in our state, all this has made me most uncomfortable. I was thinking that on my next visit, I would tuck in an envelope several of the light blue face masks that dentists use, the ones with bendable nose pieces. I have found them quite comfortable and good to wear when visiting and chatting. Would it be appropriate to say to her that since she mentions she finds masks uncomfortable, she might find these work nicely, stay in place, and you almost forget you are wearing them? Thank you so much for your guidance. Best wishes, Madeline. Oh, Madeline, it's always so tough when, and and this is, I feel like what, it, it was like the question of COVID, I feel like, was just how do you let someone know that their choice of keeping safe is making you uncomfortable? And it, I think it is really tough. Um, but I think rather than just slip in the masks and the positive conversation about maybe wearing them that you actually address the issue head on with your stylist. Dan, what do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. And I would give as much prep time as possible. Mm -hmm. I would um, make the call independent or ahead of the next visit. I like that. Like not like right when you first get there and start the appointment, but ahead of it. Exactly. And I would put that whole conversation in the the context where I would approach it from a perspective of these are the things that make me feel really safe as a customer, as a patron. And, and that's where I would, I would start the conversation and I'd be ready to listen. I would also have those suggestions or those offers ready and at my disposal, but I would, I would absolutely have the conversation. I would have it in the context of what would make you feel safe as a customer. I think so too. And I could understand feeling a little awkward that you've already been through one session with her, but I think that you can always frame it as, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to still stay vigilant. You could also let her know that you did have some, some concerns about last time and you were hoping that you might talk with her about a couple strategies to to make this time feel a little more comfortable and ask her if she's willing to listen to them or willing to talk with you about them. You know, Dan always has the great line about asking permission to have that conversation. And I'm always big on the kind of uh, uh, presenting your emotions. <laughs> Maybe that's just the years of therapy, um, but, but kind of stating where you're at. And so for me, I can feel myself 
just wanting to let someone know that, you know, I was, I, I don't want to frame it like this. I wouldn't actually say to the person, you know, I gave you the benefit of the doubt the first time, but I was real upset with how it went. I don't think you want it to have that tone. I think like Dan says, just saying like, I would be more comfortable. Um, or I've, I've noticed I've for indoor interactions, I'm really comfortable with, with a full mask. And one of the things that I think is a little tricky about this one that Madeline's dealing with Dan is that she does wear, the hairdresser does wear the the thin neck gaiter, but it, it was really thin. And you're asking, you're basically trying to find a way to let someone know that their method that they are engaging with isn't quite up to where you feel comfortable. And I, I do think that's a, that's a tough thing. It's not like they're just not wearing anything, you know? It's tough. And as you said, right at the start, this is the etiquette of our time right now, that yes, our yeah. standards for these things are shifting and moving all the time. Dr. Anthony Fauci wasn't recommending <laughs> masks before he was recommending masks. Does that mean right. he doesn't know what he's talking about? To me, it means that as information changes, it's up to us to change and evolve. And I would have been surprised by that detail in this question if I hadn't heard just earlier this week from some public health experts that I really respect that some of the bandanas and neck gaiters just don't work as effectively and that people are starting to be more aware of this. So I'm not surprised to hear a question about that. And I had heard that too. Did you hear that one of the tests was, can you blow a candle out through it? And I don't, I don't know how verified that was. It was one of the examples that they gave. But Dan, even bringing up something that way where you said, boy, you know, I, I learned after our last appointment that th some types of masks are better than others. And I, I did have some concerns and was just wondering if I brought you a comfortable mask, if you'd be willing to wear a full mask this time or a more solid mask this time. To me, that sounds reasonable. And again, I would use all of that language. I would take responsibility for my own feelings. I would be more comfortable if you'd be willing to do this. Um, you can um, make explicit your good intentions and your understanding of other perspectives. So language like I really like and appreciate your business or yeah. um, I know rates are relatively low in our community right now. Even just sort of talking about that and making those allowances can help someone see that you understand maybe where they're coming from or their perspective and that it's not up to them to explain all that to you, but just to hear you. And it, it can be really helpful in that conversation to do that. And the final thought that I have on that discussion is that it doesn't need to be an ultimatum, but having the idea in your mind that if someone's really not willing to compromise and meet you in a place that'll make you feel comfortable, it is a choice that you can make to not patronize that business or find someone else who does. And just knowing that in your mind, I wouldn't wield that in the conversation, but it might help take the stakes down a little bit and make it easier to have that conversation. I find that knowing that I have an out, knowing that I have a no, that's okay for me to deliver always somehow makes me feel a lot more confident saying yes and engaging. And and I think that that can be really, really useful in this situation. And I, I've got to say, it is it is tough. In Vermont, we do have really good numbers, and, and we have been very lucky to do what we can, but it, it doesn't mean that it's completely gone. 
And so it's a tough space to be in because you are kind of wondering, well, is it here? Is it not? Where are we still? But we're still under a state of emergency. And I think we still all really have to be doing these practices. So continuing to find ways to be comfortable setting our boundaries, to be confident setting our boundaries, and to be respectful when setting our boundaries. Um, I would probably also add compassionate. I could add a lot of words as we go down this list. But I think these are all still really important things for us to be doing now, um, really, no, no matter what state you are in. It is a difficulty that emerges in a way that's counterintuitive, that in some ways the relative safety of the situation makes it harder to take safety precautions that keep everyone relatively safe. Right, exactly. (laughs) And in an environment where there are so many questions like that, as a business owner, I would really appreciate knowing exactly what makes my customers feel comfortable and confident coming to my business. So that's another sort of thing that I would keep in mind as I thought about reasons to have this conversation. I think that there are a lot of benefits to be gained on all sides. Madeline, thank you so much for the question, and we hope that you're able to get a fabulous haircut. Learn the rules of safe conduct and apply them. Yours is the safest job in the world if you use your heads. It's up to you. If you love being part of the Awesome Etiquette community and want to join in, there are so many great ways to help your favorite podcast. For Awesome Etiquette, we know that there are a few things that you can do that really help our show. One is to become a sustaining member. You can find out more about this at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. Another is to engage with our show sponsors and their special offers. If you hear about a product that you like and you feel inspired to try it, definitely remember to use that promo code that we give you on the show. It helps those sponsors identify where you're coming from. Also, don't forget, Sending us your questions, your feedback, your salutes is critically important. The fresh content that you provide really keeps this show relevant. And the final thought that we wanted to mention, and we've said it before, but it bears repeating, is that if you've got a friend or a family member who you think would enjoy awesome etiquette, help them out. Help them find the podcast app on their phone. Help them subscribe. Help them remember to listen periodically if you are successful in getting them to put that show on their phone. If everybody out there listening right now could get one friend to listen to the show, we would double our audience numbers, which really does help our show. These are all great ways to help us keep bringing you more awesome etiquette. Our next question is titled Food with Friends. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I recently had two friends over to my house for lunch. Let's call them Monica and Phoebe. Anybody getting the joke now? The invite was very casual, sent by email to both at the same time. Monica replied first to me only via email and asked what she could bring. For the record, in the invitation, I did not ask for either of them to bring anything towards the meal. I was fully prepared to provide everything. However, when a guest will offer to bring something, I generally don't refuse. So Phoebe replied later that she would love to come. On the day of the lunch, Phoebe was a little defensive when she saw that Monica brought a food item and said she would have also brought something had I told her what to bring. I did not want to embarrass Phoebe by saying that Monica offered, so I tried to tactfully change the subject. Is there a graceful way to avoid being in this situation in the future? Should I refuse the offer of my guests to bring something for the table? It is my first reaction when I receive an invitation to ask what I can bring because I know that hosting can be an undertaking and a little extra help can go a long way. 
Any guidance that you could provide for the future would be most welcome. Kind regards, Anonymous. And by Anonymous, I think she means Rachel Green. <laughs> okay, guilty confession. I completely missed that you, Phoebe Monica friend me? reference. I just read you the question. I was like, oh, all? Monica and Phoebe. I did not. Monica and Phoebe. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Thank you, cuz. I appreciate your cultural literacy. <laughs> Anonymous, I love this. Thank you so much. It was a huge friends fan even though some of it doesn't quite translate nowadays but it um that was that was quite fun to read (laughs) okay well i also loved this question not even knowing that super legit etiquette question and and like i know how the conversation i've been i've been phoebe i've been monica i've been the host i've been everybody in this situation but i love how the detail for the future really made me have to think how would you handle this to try to prevent this very thing from happening? I don't know if you can. I think you're right. <laughs> I don't think uh, Anonymous Rachel did anything wrong here. And as I was listening to you read it, the first moment my little, oh, that's a little rude antenna went up was the friend in her moment of defensiveness saying, you as a host should have told me what to bring <laughs> so I wouldn't feel inadequate here. And I don't think that's exactly what she said, but I guess I can picture how this gets said. But yeah, keep going. No, keep it's going. not. It's not. Those aren't the words, but that's the the moment, <laughs> right? Dan makes it sound down near vicious. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know if you can live your wife anticipating a rude reaction to things and preventing anyone from ever having that feeling. And I. Yeah, I think I, I think it would be hard. Other or we wouldn't need continued books on etiquette. We'd just have the answer for how to prevent that from ever happening. I do think there's a question of emphasis that really does matter here. That if you're presented the dish or the the offering for the gathering, and you're ooing and eyeing and gushing and making a, a big deal out of it in front of someone who didn't do the same thing. That there could be a question there that that's rude. Agreed. At a three-person gathering, I can see how no matter how you handled it, it it could be something that the third party or the other party would pick up on. And Mm -hmm. there might not be a tactful way to both receive that gift well and keep receiving it from being noticed by the other people present. And I don't think that Rachel was in a great position once Monica had offered to re- to bring something to then mention to Phoebe, by the way, Monica offered to bring a, a, a dish. I think that that, especially when she's not looking to have the guests bring dishes, then it would be kind of awkward to be like, yeah, so the other guest is bringing a dish if you wanted to, but you don't have to. It it does kind of create that feeling of, oh, well, if everyone is bringing one, I should bring one too. And that would happen if you tried to head it off in, in the early stages and, and warn Phoebe that, it, you know, Monica was bringing a dish. Or it would happen in this situation where Phoebe shows up and feels a little like, hey, I, I would have brought something had I known. I just didn't know I should have offered, you know, and Here's the the difference is you've got one friend who receives an invitation, sees that it doesn't have anything requesting anything of her on it, and she just says, that would be awesome. Thanks so much. Can't wait. There's nothing wrong with that. But you've got the other friend who says, that would be awesome. Can't wait. Can I bring anything? 
And it automatically kind of makes Phoebe look like she's not quite as invested or thoughtful or something when that's not true necessarily. Is it? Is it true? Is it? Is I don't it think it's true. true? No, okay. I think you're getting right at the heart of the matter. And that's it. That that isn't an expectation. And the the confusion here comes from, or the awkwardness comes from, that moment where Phoebe feels bad that she didn't offer. And I just don't think that's up to Rachel to manage that. Right. I, I would encourage. It's in some ways my etiquette advice here is for Phoebe, which is don't feel guilty about what you didn't do. Yeah. That if you learned something in this moment, that oh, some people. When they get an invitation, ask if they can bring anything almost as a matter of course. Mm-hmm. And some hosts don't always ask you. That's the other part of it, right? Hosts don't always ask you to bring something. Nope. And if you liked that exchange or the way that worked for that other person, that's a little learning moment where you say, oh, I could do that in the future. <laughs> or if you don't, don't feel bad about not bringing something. Here's the place where I think you could have some advice for Anonymous should – because we've basically told Anonymous you can't really head this one off at the pass too easily. So I then focus on the moment where you realize Phoebe feels bad. Yes. And that's where my brain says Absolutely. that as soon as Phoebe pipes up, we throw some heavy, heavy reassurance on Phoebe. Phoebe, no. My intention was not to have anyone bring anything. I was so glad that you just said yes. Monica had, you know, this is the place where I I don't know. You make the choice whether you throw Monica out there. I don't necessarily think it's bad to do it. Monica just made the offer the way people casually do sometimes. And I decided what the heck I'd say yes. But I had totally planned on serving everything. Don't worry about it. The gift for me is your presence here today. Or the, the, yes, your I'm just so being happy. Here, here is... have some wine. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but no, you're right. It's that tone, that moment, that seizing the opportunity as a host to tell your guests, no, you did nothing wrong. You're meeting every expectation I had of you. The The worst thing that could happen in this moment, I wouldn't say it like this, is for you to feel bad about something you didn't do. Right. And But that's what you're trying to communicate. Anonymous Rachel, this is going down as I think one of our best etiquette questions ever because almost unsolvable in terms of how to head it off from a future standpoint, and yet a, a true moment of etiquette and trying to figure out the right thing to do and, and how to protect your guests and, and make them feel good. Oh, there's just so much good stuff in here. Anonymous Rachel, thank you so much for this delicious etiquette question. And we hope that this helps you have great relationships with your friends moving forward. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are awesomeetiquette. Just remember to use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. If you are loving Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You'll get an awesome ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you're going to feel great knowing that you help to keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And today we hear from Mary. This is feedback that came via Facebook. 
I listened to the latest episode and the discussion of pronouns. It lacked the singular use of they-them. Someone who has declared herself to be non-binary wrote she prefers they-them in reference to herself. Themself. Mary. Mary, thank you so much. I was re-listening to our answer on this question, and I was really disappointed in myself that I didn't give a they-them example. So thank you for including it in some feedback and giving us the opportunity to do that. Now we'll hear from Amanda on episode 316 and the question about feeling underdressed at a family event. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I truly enjoy your podcast and appreciate it. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I truly enjoy your podcast and appreciate it that it comes every week, no matter what. You addressed a question about a party guest who did not dress appropriately for the occasion and engaged in freestyle dancing. You suggested that if she was close to the upset relative, she could apologize for her actions or discuss the issue. I have to disagree. I would not be surprised if this were a male family member who felt entitled to judge a younger female member of the family. Women apologize too much. This woman should not have to apologize to anyone for the way she dressed or danced. She was not wearing jeans to a black tie event. She was not stage diving. If anyone should apologize, it should be this relative for making her feel uncomfortable in her own skin. It is the height of decorum to make those around you feel comfortable, not to chastise them for enjoying a moment. Kind regards, Amanda. Amanda, thank you for bringing up this point. It's absolutely important, and I want to invite you to stick around for the postscript, where we're going to be talking about the elements that make a good apology and looking at how we issue apologies effectively and when it's appropriate. This is certainly an interesting issue that you bring up. Thank you for the feedback. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And this week we have another spin on good apologies. And I like this one because it's going to make you think. And I want to promise our listeners that this postscript did not emerge as a response to our feedback. This was something we had been thinking about and in many ways addresses the question of when is an apology appropriate and when it is appropriate, what are the elements of a really good apology? Our source material for the postscript this week is an article that was published in Psychology Today about how apologies function and that offers some tips on how to do them well. So we're going to use that as a jumping off point for our discussion. For those of you that are patron subscribers that are sustaining members of the show, we will put a link in the comment section for the show. And for those of you that aren't sustaining members, you can look at the Awesome Etiquette Facebook page for the link. The title of the article are The Five Ingredients of an Effective Apology on Psychology Today. The Article begins with a look at where apologies come from and how they are most effectively delivered. And the essential question that the article asks is, is the purpose of the apology to make you feel better or make someone else feel better? And the apologies that are issued to relieve a feeling of guilt, where the ultimate idea is that doing the apology is going to make you feel better— You're setting yourself up potentially for an apology that doesn't come across as appropriately sincere or authentic because it's not centered on the person who's been hurt or wronged. So I think the first real challenge question to ask yourself when you're thinking about apologies is an application of honesty where you say to yourself, 
what is this apology in service of? And if it's in service of the relationship, how do I make the center of that apology the other person or the person who was wronged in some sense by my behavior? The article continues with then five suggested elements that make a really good apology. These aren't the elements that we have taught for years at the Emily Post Institute, but they speak to a lot of the ways we talk about a sincere apology being constructed. Element one is a clear I'm sorry statement. Element two is an expression of regret for what happened. Third comes an acknowledgement of the social norms or expectations that were violated. This is followed by an empathy statement, acknowledging the impact of our actions on the other person. And then the concluding final fifth step is a request for forgiveness. So the example scenario that is mapped out in this article is someone who was invited to a birthday party, said they would attend, and then just doesn't go, but hasn't told the hosts, and they wake up the next day feeling bad about it. So those five elements applied to an apology delivered in this scenario might sound something like this. I am so incredibly sorry I didn't make it to your birthday party last night. I had a terrible day. I was in such a bad mood and I just went to bed. There's no excuse for not showing up and particularly for not calling to tell you I wasn't coming. I can only imagine how upset, disappointed, or angry you must feel. I know it might take a while, but I hope you'll be able to forgive me. That's it. The, the elements, those five elements of the good apology delivered as a sample script actually sounded really good to me as I was reading them. When I first read the description of them, I said to myself, boy, this is a lot. This is a lot of work going on here. What is that really going to sound like when, when you do it? And when I heard it applied, I found myself saying, you know, that sounds really good. I would (laughs) make a few different word choices here and there, but it's not a bad structure. No, not at all. I think it really does uh, get you to an apology that accomplishes everything you need to. A lot of people say, well, wait a second, you say you want to apologize, but you didn't really apologize. And I like that the five elements starts right off the bat with the I'm sorry statement. Um, and you just really clearly get across what it is that you were expressing regret for with that. Those two kind of, I feel like, go hand in hand. I think these other elements are really good. You know, acknowledging that you stepped outside, you know, whether it's because you got angry or because you you know, left somebody hanging or whatever it is, acknowledging that that's, that's not what should traditionally happen in this relationship or in this exchange, I think is, is important for sure. These are great points, Dan. I'm so glad you found this article. Well, and, and, and it's funny too, because th- those first three are a, a clear mapping onto the advice that we would give. Mm-hmm. The, the fourth element, the empathy statement, acknowledging the impact of, the offensive actions was a place where I found myself saying, you know, that's an elaboration on the way we often talk about this that I appreciated hearing, where mm-hmm. you make an effort to to explicitly show that you understand how this might feel for the other person. And it, it's a big step. And it's a little bit risky, or it felt a little bit risky when I heard it described, because you're, you're, you're taking a chance and... I've heard you on this show, Lizzie, say it's, it's be careful about assuming the way yeah. something is felt or impacts someone else. And I even with this language, I was like, oh, does it sound assumptive or does it not? Yeah. 
And I, I think if you're taking care with it, there's a, a way to do it well here that really shows that you're making an effort, whether you hit it exactly right or not. I think the other person can read it as a genuine effort to understand things from their perspective. And the request for forgiveness, the concluding step, I think, has got to help with that. <laughs> that if that leap that you take into sort of thinking about the impact on other people is followed by a genuine request that the other person would forgive you for it or excuse you for it in some way is a way to acknowledge that I've, I've made an effort to put myself into your shoes, but not to see things from my perspective, <laughs> but to really ground this apology in a meaningful way. I like the request for forgiveness because it acknowledges that to, to close the act of an apology and, and to kind of heal that relationship, I think acknowledging the forgiveness aspect of it is important. I think a lot of the times we just brush over that and, and there's the I'm sorry and then kind of nothing and it's just assumed you're, you're back to normal. And I do think kind of requesting that forgiveness um, – is uh, I, I think it's a good move. I, I liked seeing it there. Kind of it, that was like kind of a, a spark of inspiration for me. As we often talk about apologies, it would be something I would want to want to be adding to our advice. I'm just curious, who out there? Raise your hand if you think I, I give a really good apology. My my purpose is to make someone else feel better. I hit these marks. I do it right. <laughs> I would I would love to hear from you and how, if you feel like you've got good apologizing skills or if you pick something up from this um, that maybe might make you refine your apologizing skills. <laughs> well, it's it's funny you that know, you land it's there. Good there too, but. <laughs> I so appreciate your positive angle on this that, you know, is there anyone out there that feels like they nail it? Like, this is really good because I couldn't help myself. I think about the scenarios because they often happen very publicly where someone issues an apology that falls short for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I as I was reading this, I, I had to censor myself as I thought, oh, boy, this is the classic step that people miss <laughs> that ends up leaving right. their apology um, somewhere short of the mark and oftentimes in a place where it causes more problems than it helps to solve. Well, Dan, thank you so much for uh, taking a look at this article and bringing it to our attention and audience. We will be sure to get it up on our social media and on Patreon so that y'all can take a look. There's another kind of dispute that can be settled in another way like this. I'm sorry, you guys, I made a mistake. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we hear from Rob. Hello, team. I recently received a note from some new neighbors introducing themselves and mentioning that their moving van would be on the street the next day. They apologized for any inconvenience and made a few very polite suggestions on ways to minimize disruption. They also included a gift card, which they said was in place of bringing treats around while meeting the neighborhood. They didn't mention it, but it occurred to me that this might also be a way to treat people to a break at an off-street location during the move. The whole thing was handled so graciously, and I was particularly impressed that these new friends were so thoughtful during what must be a very busy time for them. I'm looking forward to having them in the neighborhood, which has been getting more friendly and neighborly every year. Thanks for inspiring and sharing salutable etiquette. Best, Rob. That's so nice. Yay, Rob, you just made me feel so good. <laughs> 
Did you notice that it started as a note from some new neighbors and then particularly impressed that these new friends? I, I like that they that started as neighbors already. and by the end they're friends. <laughs> so great. Rob, thank you so much. Clearly this has brought some joy to our day. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. And thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. And thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share this show with friends, family, and even your coworkers, and to anyone you might be connected with on social media. <laughs> you can send us your next question, feedback, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we're at EmilyPostInst. On Instagram, we are at EmilyPostInstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving a review because it helps our show rankings, which helps people to find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. And Bridget.